You are listening to the Get Your Head in the Game podcast with Shannon Beasley-Tate, Episode 3. Welcome to Get Your Head in the Game, the podcast dedicated to helping you design the playbook for the life that you want with confidence, clarity, and purpose. I'm your host, Shannon Beasley-Tate. The clock is ticking. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, personal and professional life design coach, Shannon Beasley-Tate. If you're listening to this episode on its actual release date, this is typically a tough day for me. February 19th is my mom's birthday, and she would have been 78 years old today. I wanted to do an episode on her birthday to honor her and to discuss a topic that I understand all too well. When my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer back in 2011, I had to move her from Massachusetts to Maryland so that I could care for her. I want to dedicate this episode to her and talk to those of you who are caregivers now. It was tough and busy for me to be a caregiver back then, having small children and working full time and just trying to manage the everyday aspects of life. I can't imagine what caregiving really looks like during a time of a pandemic. So today I have my fellow NC State Wolfpacker and friend, Tasha Barnes, on the show with me today to discuss her caregiving journey with her mother. She and I like to call each other twin, even though we don't look alike, and as far as we know, aren't related, but both have Eastern North Carolina roots, so there's a possibility. We also have so many other things that are kind of in common, so it's really scary. We like the same shows, we have similar outlooks on life, and mostly like the same foods. We did discover the other day that we have a difference in our food tastes, and that my disgust is her love of grits. Personally, I don't see how people can eat a food named grit, but I digress. In addition to raising her son and being a full-time caregiver for her mother who has dementia, Tasha started a healing room for caregivers that she'll talk a little bit more about today. Welcome, Tasha. Thank you. And I don't understand how you don't like grits, but we won't discuss that right now. Yeah, I figured you'd have some slick comment to say <laughs> about my grits disgust, but you know, I digress. Like I said, we have a lot of other things in common. And one of those things is really all the love and the dedication that you have to your mother. So if you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your journey that you're going through right now? Yes. So, of course, my name is Tasha Barnes, and um, Shannon and I are, are fraternal twins. Um, we have so much in common, like she said. I am a caregiver. I care for my 12-year-old son, which most mothers are caregivers, and, well, all mothers are caregivers, and I care for my mother, who has Alzheimer's, which we finally got her diagnosed. Mm. Um it's been a journey. Um, when she was di- diagnosed in 2009, you know, I think it didn't hit me that then. So, you know, I was still living my life, going out, having fun, you know, being a mom when I'm home on the weekends, I'm like babysitter. I'm going to hang with my friends. And then um, it took a turn. 
So probably when my son turned six, her personality began to change and she would just get angry for no reason. Mm -hmm. And so um, they actually diagnosed her in 2009. And I want people to understand that when they give elderly people medication, um, we as the children, we need to read the side effects Mm -hmm. because my mother had onset dementia caused by medication that the doctor was over medicating her with an antidepressant. So um, instead of taking it once a day or twice a day, he had her take it four times a day. Wow. And my family lives in, um, in a small town and our whole neighborhood is family. And my cousins would call and tell us my mom was sick or they would find her outside. So then we took her to the hot, well, they took her to the hospital. My sister and I came from Raleigh and the doctor said, she has um, been taking too much of this particular medication and that she had to go through withdrawals. So he said one of the side effects of cold stopping this medication is onset dementia. And he told us that she could no longer live by herself. So this was in 2009. Prior to that, she was fine. So um, there's some things that happened in 2009. My aunt died, who was her best friend. So she went into a, a... state of depression, which is why they were medicating her. Um, so we moved her here to Raleigh. And at the time, William was a baby, baby. Mm. And so she helped out a lot. Um, she would cook. We gained some weight around the house. <laughs> um, and it was fine. And then we began to notice she did more and more forgetful. So um, we ended up having, deciding, you know, she can't stay home by herself because we had a fear that she would just walk out of the house. So we had home health care for a while and that was um, an experience by itself. And then um, COVID happened. And Mm -hmm. so COVID happened. um, I was working at Cisco for a company called Emphasis. So we were working from home and I saw firsthand how horrible this disease was because it was 24 hours for me, you know, I, I could see everything 24 hours and I'd be in a meeting and she'd walk out the house and my son is like, mommy, mom's walked out of the house. And I would have to literally say, excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, my mom has Alzheimer's dementia. And they were like, go ahead on. And then my team lead, they would actually be left on the meeting to explain what happened. And then when I come on, everyone's like, everything's okay. You know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, she's fine. She's fine. And so it's just been a journey. That had to be stressful. I I know just caregiving under any normal circumstance is stressful and time consuming and you're trying to balance and juggle so many things. But how has it really been for you during COVID to care for your mom? Well, um, I was laid off in October, which I thought was the worst thing in the world. Um, I was laid off. And so now... I'm caregiving without distractions. So what I thought was the worst thing in the world turned out to be a blessing because um, in the time my mother got really sick, she had to have surgery and, you know, we did not elect to put her in a rehab center. We did it. My sister, when I say we, my sister and I, with the help of my son, we cared for her 
in the house. We took her bed down, put it downstairs. Um, you know, we had nurses coming in all the time. So I would say this has given me the, that additional time with my mom. And I, I'm sure that that time is valuable. And I know in our conversations, how much I tell you, please enjoy every single moment that you can. Because when I had to move my mother from Massachusetts to Maryland, I was caring for her as much as I could in my home, trying to balance everything that was going on in my home and my full-time job where I traveled a lot as well. And because she was getting worse and worse with the cancer spreading everywhere, I had to move her to an assisted living. And that was, of course, during a time where there wasn't a pandemic and a big virus spreading throughout what we know was happening in a lot of nursing homes and senior facilities. So I'm, I'm sure you're glad that this blessing of being able to care for her at home was given to you. Um, but that's just been such a challenge for so many people. Yes, it, it is. And yeah, I, I felt really blessed because I have friends from state who um, I have one particular friend, her grandmother is in um, is, is in an assisted living facility. You know, I'm from I'm from East North Carolina. We call them nursing homes. Right. But, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> assisted they're trying to upgrade the name now. That's what they're trying to do. <laughs> right. And so um and so my friend, she would, it would break my heart when she would say she couldn't go visit her grandma. And then I felt guilty because I'm like, I get to see my mom every day and she's really close to her grandma. And when the COVID outbreak came, it broke our heart. So yeah, I'm very fortunate that I have the ability to take care of her. And I will say the strength to take care of her because right. when she had surgery, I had to, I had to lift her up and yes. put her down. Yes, yes. You know, and so it, it, it was unique. And, and as a as a child, <clears throat> you know, our parents, when we were babies, they used to clean us up. Right. <laughs> but to be an adult child doing that for your mother it's a, or father, it's a different feeling. It's a humbling feeling. And it's yes. a humbling feeling on both sides. It's a humbling feeling for you as the adult child to see your strong parent in that state. And it's a humbling feeling for the parent. I remember hearing my mother saying, there's just no reason you should be looking at my lady parts. But I'm like, but I've got to make sure your lady parts are clean and make sure that your lady parts don't get bed sores and right. just a different type of bonding that you have to do, you know, when your parent is in that, in that place. And I'm sure those that are caring for spouses, especially if it's a male spouse that's sick, how humbling that must be for a wife to have to care for her husband in that way. So I, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. But one point that you made that I want to go back to, Tasha, is about the misdiagnosis, which caused the early onset of dementia, which then turned to Alzheimer's. And there's a word that's just coming to my mind, and that's advocacy. In that time frame, you were able to really look at what was done incorrectly, what was not looked at appropriately, and be the advocate for your mom that you needed to be so that you could get her medication allocated properly and get her care done properly. But like you were saying with COVID and your friend's grandmother, we're not able to be the advocates that we 
need to be or want to be when we have been excluded or your loved one is in isolation in many of these facilities. Yeah, and I want to say this too. Being an advocate is really important because so uh, my sister works in mental health. My cousin works works in mental health. So, you know, I, I have some people who literally work in the mental health field to kind of help give me the information. And they actually take point on so many things, you know. But I will say this. It is important for you as a caregiver to find a physician who cares. Because once... Um, especially black women, once we get of age, doctors act like they don't really care if um, if we're if we are here or not. And I take that as an example. My aunt died of cancer and she went to the doctor religiously and they didn't catch it because they didn't give her after a certain age. They stopped certain tests. Mm. And so so, you know, she died of cancer, which if they would have done the proper um, checkup of her when she was sick, they would have caught it. Well, with my mom, we went through several um, doctors from back home and now in Wake County where, you know, we're trying to get her the best health care possible. And I will say um, I applaud Duke Health because once we got my mom into the Duke Health system, her, her level of care has changed from her neurologist who will call, email, to the nurses they send to check on her. It's, it's, it's a help. It's yeah. a help for me. And they can see firsthand when I say, you know, she gets agitated certain times of the day and they'll explain, well, that's called sundowning. Mm. And I'm like, oh, no one's ever told us that before. Yeah, the education process that's needed when you're caring for a parent is really, really paramount because, like you said, you have to do trial and error sometimes with these physicians. And I think the message that we want to let the listeners know is don't be afraid to change doctors if you need to. Don't be afraid to go to different systems of care if you need to do that because you only get one parent. You only have this time frame that you need to care for them. And according to the National Alliance for Caregiving, there are more than 65 million people, which is about 30% of the US population that are providing care for a chronically ill or disabled or elderly family member. So that's a lot of people out there that need that type of support and need that understanding of how to advocate for their loved one. I agree. I agree 100%. And even if mm-hmm. my sister's the, my sister, she handles um, all of my mom's medical stuff because she has power of attorney. And, you know, the difference between my sister and I, my sister, she will, she won't really ask questions because she knows that I have a list of questions. Like, okay, how is this benefiting my mother? Mm-hmm. You know, how is this going to benefit me? <laughs> you know, what's the side effects of this medication? And so, yeah, I totally agree. My mom used to love it. She used to sit there when I was in the doctor's office with her and I had my little notebook. She was like, you don't miss a word, do you? I'm like, I absolutely don't. And if I don't understand what they're saying, I ask them to spell it and then I'll look it up on my phone. I I was really the best support that I could be. And I was like you, I had a million questions. 
Oh, yes. And I have friends that are pharmacists. And my best friend from Pitt County is a pharmacist. And when my mom gets medication, I call her. Yeah. I'm like, have yeah. you heard of this medication? And some, she was like, mm, that's not for that. I don't understand why they put on that. Then the next day I'm on the phone, like, I'm not sure why you put this medication. My mom's on this medication because, you know, so yeah. having support in the medical field helps too. And it sounds like you have some good support, not only with the family members that you know that are in the medical field, but your involvement of your family when it comes to caring for your mom. So how has that been? How do you and your sister tag team? What do you do to give each other a break when you need a break? Well, my sister works during the day um, and she works sometimes. She has to work at night, which is fine. So what happens is, you know, I'm here all day. And then my sister, when she comes home, she takes over. You know, she's the one that is doing. So I'm the primary caregiver during the day. She's the primary at night because I'm so, I'm upstairs trying to sleep. Right. And so until my mom comes upstairs. Um, and so if my mom comes upstairs and she's agitated, well, of course, I'm going to be the one to stay up with her um, because I'm upstairs. I really don't mind. So we actually um, co-caregive really well and not only that my mother's nephew um my cousin harold he'll come and pick her up and take her for a ride um and he's even he even because he's a psychiatrist so he's like so this is what we're going to do to give you a break you know and so wow. sometimes i'm like cool and sometimes you know everyone has a busy schedule and then i have another cousin my cousin chris she lives in durham and on any given day, she's like, okay, I'm coming to pick you up. Um, is your sister home? I'm coming to pick you up. And she'll come and pick me up and I'll spend the day with her. And the thing about it is caregiving doesn't stop when you leave the house because now I'm worried about them. Right. So now my mind is like, okay, I'm going to have to get home by this certain time because if I'm not home, you know, my son's going to call me, you know, my mom's going to wonder where I am. And so then I have that pressure. I put that pressure on myself to make sure I'm at home at a good time so that, you know, everyone is even to keep my mom as even as possible. And, and I'm sure that's important, especially with your mom's diagnosis to keep things as, as easy as possible. But I also know that that cutting your time short when you're out of the home and not really getting to do a lot of self-care, what do you do to really protect your own health and self-care practices while you're in the midst of caring for your mom? Because many people don't get to take care of their own health. I've read a lot about that uh, for people that are primary caregivers for their family member. I'm one of those people. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I am definitely one of those people, as you know, I am one of those people. I mean, you know, I'm pretty much, I exercise now. Um, I, I do a lot of things in the house, you know, exercising is a great way to relieve stress. Yeah. Um, so I do that. And I, some, when it's um, nice outside, I'll go for a walk because in the mornings when she's sleeping, I can get out and go for a walk. Um, so I do that. But as far as anything else, I just, I don't fit it in my day. And I don't think it, it doesn't have anything to do with me caregiving for my mom. It's just that I feel as if um, she just deserves 
more care than I do. And that's just like a, a caregiver's mentality. It is. And that's, you put everyone before yourself. Right. And, you know, we learn about the when you're on an airplane and putting your mask on first before you put on someone else's. And that sounds good in theory, but in practice, you really do run yourself ragged. I know I did when I was caring for my mother and two small children at the same time. You know, going to an hour Zumba class was not on my to do list. And I know that sometimes that was tough because mentally I was wiped when I was trying to care for my mother and really give her everything that she needed. So, you know, for all of you out there that may be in similar circumstances, please look at your day and figure out where you can go in your closet, close the door, listen to some music, light a candle, whatever it is that you need to do to just meditate for a moment and give yourself that time that you need to replenish and rejuvenate, you know? I think that's really important. Well, my guilty pleasure is K-dramas, Korean dramas. Ah, okay. Everybody has I, to have one. I love them. The subtitles and everything. I really love them. And they really do relax me. And the fun thing is I can watch them with my mom. Right. And she'll watch and she'll read the screen. And so oh. that actually helps her. That's good for her mental state. That's that's wonderful. Yes. So you've because been able to do reading. something together. Yeah. That's really good. I mean, but in addition to watching your dramas, you're also doing something else that's not only helping yourself, but it's helping other people. You're using Clubhouse as an outlet to support other caregivers. Could you tell us a little bit about what you are doing with Clubhouse? So um, I joined Clubhouse and my mentor is like, she, my mentor is Jackie, she's like, you know, this can be your platform. And I'm like, no, no one's going to listen to me. And she was like, but this is not for them. This is for you. And so I created a club on Clubhouse, One Day at a Time, Life as a Caregiver. And what I essentially did was created meetings. And I met other caregivers in other cities and other states. And we get together on Clubhouse on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 7 to 8 p.m. And we talk about um, caregiving. We got a caregiver's check-in. And so during that check-in, we actually get to talk, we get to vent and we get to not feel guilty of feeling like we're by ourselves and no one understands what we're going through. And so it's helped me a lot and I get to learn from other people. And Shannon, I know, you know, when you talk, you know, I'm all ears (laughs) because, (laughs) (laughs) because you've been through this. You've been through this to the end. So I sit and at your feet and listen and absorb because I'm like, okay, okay, I, I think I can handle this better now. Because as you know, sometimes I don't handle, you've been on the other end of my <laughs> rants and tears and vents where sometimes when you're when caregiving, you can get so angry yes. and you're not really angry at the person because they can't help how they're treating you. But you still get angry. And I said the other day on the check-in, people will say, and I actually wrote a post on Facebook as well. People will say, just remember, it's not your, it's not your loved one. It's the disease. But it's kind of hard to look at the disease because you can't see a disease. No. You can't talk to a disease. You can't ask a disease who you're talking to. But if it's, it's a person, 
Right. You, you can talk to that person. So it's trying to get, um, give myself the grace and not beat myself up for when I do get angry. And I do ask my mom, like, who do you think you're talking to? Right. Because this disease, Alzheimer's, it's not even a memory disease. Usually when people get sick, they, they displace their anger on the person who's caring for them. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. I've had battles with my mother during her illness and breathing. You know, I've talked to you about that. I've had to take deep breaths so that I would remember that I'm talking to my mother and not get slapped in the face. Um, So, uh, but there were days where she just was angry. She was angry at the world. She was angry that she was dying. She was angry that she wasn't back at her home in Massachusetts, that she's in some strange place in Maryland being cared for. And none of her things are really around her. She was angry with the world. So I had to remember that when she was lashing out at me about not going to get her cigarettes, even though she was dealing with stage four cancer. And I had to let go of all of my thoughts about her care and what she should do. And even when she decided not to do chemo, I was I was angry because I felt like I was getting robbed of that time frame of extra time with her, or this could do something different. But there's an empowering piece that a person that's sick can do, and that is to take charge of their care and know what they want. So you're right. You really do have to find ways to take therapeutic moments for yourself. So I just really appreciate that platform that you've created on Clubhouse. And I've been glad to be a part of it and talk about that other side, what happens after care, after caregiving. Um, But what exactly is Clubhouse for people that may not know what it is? Clubhouse is an, I equate it to one big conference call. It is an audio means of people to communicate. So what you do is it's by invitation only and you have to have an Apple device, being it an iPad or an iPhone, and you get the invite. And so you log on and it has rooms where you can actually listen to other people talk about anything, marriage, being single. Um, there's, they have a club room where there's nothing but music. So it's just different conversations going on all at one time where everyone can just be a part of who's a part of that platform. I love it. It's really been a neat platform to be a part of. Um, as, as we're trying to think about caregiving right now, caregiving for others that are about to embark upon this journey. As we start to wrap up, are there any words of advice, Tasha, that you could give to other people right now? Don't let anyone define you as a caregiver. Um, I think for me, um, I love my church family and they've been very supportive. But before people knew my mother had Alzheimer's, my pastor knew, so my pastor is very, very supportive. But people would say, you know, they'd just be really insensitive or they'll say, you're not handling it right. And so people, you have to understand for yourself, you're not them. Do not hold yourself to a standard that wasn't meant for you to, to hold yourself against. Allow yourself some grace to make some mistakes. It's okay to cry, but it's not okay to stay there. Pity parties are not allowed as caregivers. Um, it, well, it shouldn't be allowed. 
let me rephrase that mm-hmm. because after this, you know, if you're throwing yourself a pity party, then it affects everyone in the household. Right. Yep. And so if you have children, short. that's true. You're showing your children, you're showing them, oh, it's okay to complain. It's a woe is me is okay. And I refuse to let my son see me that way. Um, so I would just say, it, allow yourself some grace. Um, Miss, Miss, I call her my Peggy, but my pastor's wife, my pastor's mother, I'm sorry. My pastor's mother, she told me one day on Facebook because I was really upset. She was like, allow yourself some grace. And that sticks with me. So I allow myself some grace that it's okay to, to, to get upset. But it's, it's always how you respond that's the key. Mm. Because with Alzheimer patients, you can't come at them aggressively. Right. Because they're already aggressive. So if I, I have an aggressive personality, you know, that's just, right. I'm a country girl. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we, we're just, and it's not a bad thing, but it's no. not always good. Right. Because you can bring two things to a fire. You can bring gasoline or water. You can bring the gasoline to make it worse. You can bring some water to try to pull it up, to put it out. And so now I'm finding myself in a position where I always have to carry water. Ooh, that's beautiful, Tasha, that we have to be in a position to always carry water. That That's beautiful because that grace and what goes with it for me is patience. And I think that is the water that we carry as caregivers. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's really important that we all take care of ourselves. I mean, we've all been in the throes of this pandemic for almost a year now. It's It's been a lot, right? Yes. It, it really has. So I, I hope that this episode has been helpful for those of you out there who are in the midst of worry or that you're losing hope or that you're just plain weary at this point. This podcast is supposed to be about confidence clarity, and purpose. And so for those of you who are out there caring for a loved one, I'm sure it became very clear to you that your current purpose is to care for that loved one who has poured so much into your life. And I know for those of you that are caring for someone that you may have had a struggle with, it could be a spouse that you weren't on good terms with, it could be a parent that you didn't have a great relationship with, but you've been able to Put that to the side to be able to do the job that's in front of you and do it with confidence, knowing that God sees you and hears you and he hears your cries in the wee hours of the night when you feel like you have nothing else to give. And Tasha, I read this scripture the other morning that reminded me that we aren't alone in this caregiver's journey. It was 1 John 5, 14, and it says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And this scripture touched me in a way that was so special because I struggled with understanding or believing that for so long. I I wanted my mother to be healed. Those were my prayers. You know, I'm sure your church family has done the same thing. We want complete healing. I wanted my mother to be strong, vibrant, and the regal woman that I knew her to be. I wanted things to be like they used to be. Although she couldn't do that here in this earthly realm any longer, I know that God still answered my prayers. He gave me the ability to have that time with her and that when her work here was done, God took her 
and brought all of that strength and vibrance and returned it to himself. And so, Tasha, I just thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for this journey that you've been on. I thank you for the space that you've created in Clubhouse. And I know that I will continue to pray for you and your mother and William and your sister and for all the caregivers that are out there. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Um, you're doing an amazing job. I appreciate that. Thank you. And how can people find you in this clubhouse space? Could you repeat the name of your clubhouse room again? Uh, my clubhouse name is um, One Day at a Time, Life as a Caregiver. Perfect. And please check her out at 7 p.m. on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And that's all that I have for you today. So no matter how tired, stressed, or weary you may feel, always remember to get your head in the game. And happy heavenly birthday to my mama. Thank you again, Tasha. You're welcome. 